Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries Podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. When God begins to transition your life, and you will all of your life, no one in here is the same today as you were yesterday, as you were a year ago. Uh, So as you begin to develop into the plan that God has for you, one thing is going to stay constant all the time. Now listen to this. If you forget everything else, remember this. It's the character of godliness. That's going to stay the same. I don't care if God is taking you into abundance from almost nothing to abundance, Uh, a great abundance, maybe something that you've never had before. Your character, your uh, Christian spiritual character, holiness, godliness, righteousness, uprightness, joy, uh, goodness, mercy, love, all of those qualities uh, should just be developing stronger in you instead of weaker in you. Can I have a better amen? amen? Do you remember when you used to have to faith in the light bill all the time? Do you remember when, what it was like? I, I remember Cindy and I, when we first got married, uh, we had a 14, it was 14 foot wide, 72 foot long. It was a 14 by 72 champion mobile home. I'll never forget it. And uh, it, 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 it was all electric. It had a bedroom and a bath on one end and a bedroom bath on the other. And that's the way if, if as newlyweds, if she kicked me out, well, I'd have another place to go at the other end of the house. Mama didn't raise a fool. No, that's not true. So that's, that's how we bought it. And um, uh, I think it cost us, uh, the note on it, I'll never forget it. The note on it was $117 a month. And I'm like, oh my Lord, how will we ever pay this? But I thought, I'd rather do that than I would pay, uh, you know, $100 rent So uh, on a place or whatever the rent was going to be somewhere. So uh, I went and bought that mobile home. I still wish I had it today, if you want to know the truth. Not that I would live in it, but I'd sure like to have it still. Uh, and, and then the light bill came and we were budgeting, we were budget people, and we're budgeting all of that. And I was a purchasing agent by that time for Louisiana Pacific, had a great job with LP. She was the uh, county auditor's assistant in Jasper County. And so we both had nice jobs and we had plenty of money coming in to meet that little budget that we had, but we were still freaking out all the time because we were newlyweds. We weren't sure. And we're praying, Brother Rick, we were praying, oh God, as we give this tithe, I thank you that we'll have enough money to pay that $117 a month. Listen, I think I spend more than $117 on Starbucks now. What a day we're living in. But uh, it doesn't make any difference how you evolve in life. The character of godliness on the inside of you ought to just be getting stronger and stronger and better. Uh, You should always be a person of prayer, uh, a person of thanksgiving, uh, a person who's quick to obey the Lord. Come on, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, A person who loves the body of Christ. I just heard that in my spirit, real strong right there. Don't ever say, I'd rather do business with people in the world. I just heard that in my spirit. Than than with people in church, because people in the world treat you better than people in church. Look me in the face. That's not true. I have no idea why God just told me to say that. Listen, that's not true. That's a lie. That's dece- that'll deceive you right there. Uh, there could be somebody in the body of Christ that might not do right. But that, that, 
that old moniker, that old particular saying itself is a lie. You've forgotten all of the scams and the schemes you've been caught up with before. Uh, don't ever fall prey to the devil's accusation against the body of Christ. Come on, look at two people and say, I, that was for me. Come on, just tell them that. That's very important. Let that get in your spirit. And so the Apostle Paul, of course, was a person who God was continually changing his life from the time he was saved and converted uh, on the road to Damascus. And he had that great experience. And uh, he was a man that did not like uh, people who were non-Jews. If you were not a Jew, he did not like you. The Bible is real plain on that in those particular days. And so his life had to change. And God began to change his life. God took him from where he was. Uh, and he begins to uh, go from Damascus. And then ultimately he winds up uh, over in a place called Antioch. Everybody shout Antioch. He went first to Athens, I think it was, and then from Athens, he transitioned over. Uh, uh, he goes to Antioch, or maybe he went to Antioch first. And God set him there in Antioch for eight years. And while he's in Antioch for eight years, the Bible says uh, in, in, in Antioch is where the world first called men Christians. God didn't call them Christians. The world called them Christians. And uh, they begin to say things about probably the character of these Christians men and women who were serving the Lord. So these saints that made a decision that they were going to love the Lord and serve the Lord. And, and God takes, uh, his name at that time was Saul of Tarsus. He became Paul the Apostle. He writes 13 books of the Bible, far more than anyone else, by, uh, by far than any other author uh, in the Scriptures. Well, and he wrote the New Testament epistles so many of them that we understand in the dispensation that we are in today, they're the message for this dispensation called the church age. That's why it's so important that we understand uh, the epistles that are there because not that to minimize anything else, I'm not trying to do that, but I do want to put the emphasis on where God put the emphasis. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. It's very important to get that in your spirit. So the apostle Paul, here he, uh, he is and he, uh, he has a lot of character defects that need to be worked on. And so God takes him and puts him in Antioch, which is a multiracial church. Acts chapter 13 says that there were, uh, there were black people there. Uh, Lucius of Saran, who, who had been brought up uh, 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 with Herod the Tetrarch and others. There were Romans that were there. There were Greeks that were there. There were Jews that were there. And there were people from other countries, the scripture says. Well, uh, for Paul, before he had been converted, that would have been a real issue with him. But how many of you know that uh, uh, God just sees us uh, by the blood? I said, God sees you by the blood, not your nationality, not your race or anything of that nature. Uh, I love the, all the variety that God has made in the world. Come on, shout hallelujah. I'm so glad that I don't have to eat Irish stew all the time. Thank God I get to eat Mexican food sometime. Come on. Y'all better say something. I'll go stand right there and start talking to y'all. And so it's very important that, that we understand that there was a change. And so Paul, God was beginning to change his life. And he stuck him with a guy named Barnabas. Uh, the word Barnabas means son of consolation. And Barnabas, I'm sure, began to talk to him uh, about his personality, about his character, about understanding that the Holy Spirit and Jesus uh, came for all men and all women. It makes no difference where our origin was. 
Uh, thank God we know where our destination is when Jesus Christ is Lord because there's only one way to heaven. Uh, and that's through Jesus Christ. And so that's why it's so necessary that you and I talk about the love of God and the mercy of God and the sacrifice and the resurrection and all of the great things that God has done for us. Well, Paul's life begins to transition. He's a brilliant man. Historians say that he could speak somewhere around 33 different languages or dialects. Uh, he had memorized the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. He could quote them from memory. Uh, he was a brilliant man. He was a debater for sure. He, could, he was a philosopher on the level of Socrates and Plato and, and uh, those type of uh, intellects. He was a very, very intelligent man. And the Bible says he was a special vessel prepared, special by God. And so God chose him, and I'm so glad uh, that he did, and I'm glad Paul answered the call. Come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And then God begins to develop his life, and then the Lord begins to launch him out into ministry. From Antioch, he begins to go forth, and he had two main purposes uh, besides teaching the Scriptures. He wanted to either uh, edify and build up churches that were being established, almost all of them off of his doctrine around the world. Uh, secondly, he wanted to plant and raise up churches. He had two main callings. Uh, with the apostolic call, it's to plant and raise up, and it's to set doctrine, and it's to understand principle of the kingdom of God and set things in order. That's what the apostle gift does, uh, to establish and to train and raise up. And to teach doctrine. Those are powerful things. There's a five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And uh, the apostle, of course, is used by God to go do that. And Paul was the chief apostle during the time that he was alive. And God used him in that particular manner. But watch how uh, his character began to change and how God began to evolve him as his ministry began to expand and, and to develop. If I can uh, give this to you now, are you in, the, in Acts chapter 18? Have I said that yet? So go to Acts chapter 18, if you would, please. And I'm going to skip over a couple of things for time's sake. But listen to them right here, and I can always pick this up. Uh, verse 18, Acts 18, 18. And Paul, after this, he's been traveling. Uh, now, Paul, after this, tarried yet a good while. And then he took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence to Syria. God is transitioning his life. You see this? Look at verse 17. All the Greeks took uh, uh, Sothenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, beat him before the judgment seat. That was a bad deal. And uh, Gallio cared for none of those things. And after Paul, who is there now being taught and being in the church for a season of time, God has favored him and caused those who would beat him to wind up getting penalized and punished himself. There comes a point where Paul has to fulfill that call of God that's on his life. Uh, if you'll keep it in, if you'll just keep it in perspective with me for a moment this evening, the body of Christ at this time is not 20 years old since the day of Pentecost, since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's less than 20 years since Jesus was resurrected. They didn't have churches like this because that whole thing was being set in order by that apostolic call. And so the apostle Paul is traveling to places that have never even heard about Jesus yet. 
and he is uh, ministering and sharing the word of God. People are getting saved. There's miracle signs and wonders that are happening. And men suddenly realize the truth of Jesus and they are being trained up and established. And those who have gifts and callings from God in their life, Paul is setting those things up building them up, empowering them, and sending them in those positions, and then he would move on, go to the next place and the next place. And then all of those churches became church starters also and church planters. And uh, we're still that same way today. Come on, shout hallelujah. And Paul, after this, tarried for a good while, and then he took his leave. Everybody say, took his leave. Now, here's a man, remember, with, with the strength of everything that he has and with his qualifications and all, he is an amazing individual, and he's not even five foot tall. The Apostle Paul, is, his name means little. It means little. And I've never seen a historian put him over five foot tall. Uh, some of them say he was between four, six, and five foot tall. He's a little bitty guy. But you know, dynamite comes in little packages. And you can be sure the Holy Ghost can just fire somebody up to do what God has called them to do. I think maybe that's because he didn't want us to think that it was just about the flesh and the physique uh, where God was doing what he did. But that word came from God that we have right here today. Holy men of old wrote as they were moved upon by God, the Bible says. And so uh, it says, after these things, Paul tarried there for a good while, and then he took his leave of the brethren. And he sailed thence to Syria uh, with him, Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head. He shaved his head in uh, Centria, for he had a vow. He had what's called the Nazarite vow. And so he would be able to fellowship with some other people that had actually taken the Nazar a Nazarite vow. One of the things they would do is they would shave their head. And so uh, at particular seasons, at particular times, and so he had done that because he wanted to fellowship with those people. How many of you glad you don't have to get a haircut to come to church? But Paul, of course, is wanting to be able to fellowship, and he does. But the scripture says right here, this man and all of his strength, his authority and everything, it says, King James says it like this, he took his leave. Everyone say, took his leave. Listen to this. Uh, these, are, these are powerful words uh, in the scriptures Took his leave is one particular word in the Greek, and it's the word apotassomai, apotosomai, apotosomai, and it literally means to leave or to separate, but to do something systematically or to do it in order. Uh, he was not this helter-skelter guy that wakes up one day and he decides, hey, I think I got to go do something else all of a sudden. No, it literally means a systematic, orderly expression, something that's done in order, uh, something that is uh, uh, depicts order, uh, that is done intentionally, not disorderly, not destructively, not haphazardly in any way. It implies severing, but to, uh, to separate from, and the word from there literally means to go away from. And so it... He said that there came a point when God spoke to him and began to say, get things in order. You've been there for a while now. It's time for you to transition into this next thing. Can I just say to you that the way you leave something has a lot to do with how you enter into the new season. 
The way you exit out of one thing has a lot to do with how you enter into something, spiritually speaking. And it's very important uh, as you hear the Holy Spirit speaking to your life about things because you don't know where you're going to be a year from now. You don't know where you're going to be five years from now. I hope you're here. I hope you come to abundant life until you go to heaven. But I'm not God. And I'm not your master. I'm only your pastor. But he is our master. Are you listening to me? And so there comes a time where God sometimes will even speak to you about something. But there's a decent and in order manner. It should not be destructive. It should not, uh, uh, exactly the opposite. Uh, it should be in order. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. We're not people who just go in ripping and tearing and we're not people who go out ripping and tearing. Glory to God. And Paul, by nature, would have been a person who had a lot of rip and tear in him. He was, uh, uh, he was putting Christians in prison, probably having some of them in an inquisition sort of thing, having some killed, definitely in prison. He was a person that he took no prisoners, so to speak, uh, especially in his zeal uh, for his uh, Jewish faith. But thank God when Jesus came in, his character began to change. And for eight years, God planted him for eight years. Everybody shout eight years at Antioch and he had gone uh, into Syria and he'd gone to Athens and he goes to Corinth actually from Athens and uh, he's at Antioch and there comes a time when God begins to tell him to go out. He comes back to Antioch again. He definitely would go to Jerusalem and he uh, felt like he was under the ministry of the apostle Peter and uh, excuse me, not Peter, but of James who was the pastor in Jerusalem. James was the pastor. That's why in Acts 15, uh, he has those dialogues and so does Peter. They would have those uh, conferences with James because he was the pastor of that original church there in, uh, uh, in, in Jerusalem uh, that the scriptures write about. But be that as it may, uh, the Bible says that when it came time for him to leave, he made sure things were buttoned up. He made sure things were in order. I remember I love to talk about a, uh, Brian Carden, years ago, Brian was uh, an armor bearer for me, so to speak, and uh, a great helper here in the house and one who assisted me uh, an enormous amount, he and his wife. I remember when uh, I married him probably 20 years or more ago, and they're a great couple, a great family. And uh, he came to me one day, and he'd been serving, he'd been teaching in our new members class and uh, helping and assisting in, in services and and I could pick the phone up and call him just about any time if there was something that needed to be done. And he'd say, all right, Pastor, tell me what I need to do. I'm there. I'll do it. And so um, kind of like Brother Daniel over here. And he said, uh, uh, Christy and I really feel like we're supposed to go to Australia. I said, oh, do you have family in Australia? He said, I've never been to Australia in my life. I said, you want to go to Australia? And uh, I said, well, hallelujah. Pray about it. Come back and talk to me again. And uh, he wanted to do things right. And we prayed about it. And I felt like I had a word from God for him. I said, well, here's what I believe you should do. I believe uh, you should go over there. Buy you a ticket, go over there and spend a few weeks. Just look around. Just go look and pray. Amen. Go scout out the country. God knows how to redeem your time. You're not wasting time. Preparation time is not wasted time. Amen. And the scripture says... Uh, but Paul put things in order. He took his leave and went, uh, when he got ready to go. 
Uh, and so I, I spoke to Brian about it. And so they agreed. And so he goes over there for a couple of two, three weeks. And then he comes back. And uh, I said, how do you feel now? He said, well, I, I really feel stronger about it again. I said, well, uh, stay here for a few weeks, months, and uh, prepare yourself a little more and then go and look again. And so he does that. He goes and looks again. And then he comes back and he says, I'm not sure I found the place, but I really feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me into a certain area. And so that's the area over the region where they are today uh, in, in Australia. And so he comes back and uh, he said, I believe I'm supposed to do it. And he said, but I won't do it without the blessing. I said, well, praise the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. I prayed about it. I want you to get, tell me how much it's going to cost you to live over there for a year. You're still a married man. That's still your wife. You still have the responsibility of a husband. I don't care where you go and how spiritual you try to be. Serving God does not uh, take you out of your responsibility as a provider Amen. and an overseer in your home. Amen. And so uh, tell me what it's going to cost. What do you think? And so they worked out a budget for an entire year with the money that's over there and the exchange at that particular time. This was about 15 years ago. And uh, they said... Uh, this is how much it's going to cost. I said, well, if you want the blessing, here's what I'll do. I'll pray and believe God with you for that uh, because there, there is spiritual authority. It's very real. It's not a game. And I said, but uh, I feel like you should have one year's worth of support in your bank. I think you should have that in the bank when you go over there. Because if you just go out there and launch out there, you're an American to start with. And uh, that's not always a, a open door to someone. If you want to go, uh, uh, you 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 may it may take you a while to launch that church. You can't hold a job over there, so you're going to have to have money in the bank. And uh, that's not a third world country. Uh, th those are people that have as much intelligence and education and everything else as you do. They speak their form of the of the English language and and all of that. And I said. Um, if you go over there and you're a burden to them, uh, there's not a person over there going to listen to you. So you, you put at least a year's worth of uh, a support in the bank before you go. And I said, you got to pay all your bills off. You got to pay all your taxes off. You can't be going over there and coming back and going over there and coming back because you've got all this kind of stuff following you over there. You got to be totally out of debt. And if you'll do that and go, then I'll bless you. And he said, I'll do it. He worked a solid year paid off everything they have. God got involved with it in his life. He began to prosper in some areas. He came to me and he said, I did it. We have that much in the bank. I said, isn't that a blessing? You have any bills? He says, I don't have a single bill. I said, do you have any credit card? Not a single credit card that I have to pay. I said, do you owe any taxes? All our taxes are paid, everything. I said, I believe you're about ready to go, aren't you? He said, we're ready to go. I said, be sure and buy a round trip ticket too just in case you want to come back sometime and visit your mama who's a member of this church, mother and father. And so we prayed over them and launched them and they went and they hit the ground running. And today they have their own facilities there outside of uh, not Sydney, but um, what's the other big country? Melbourne, out, thank you. Outside of Melbourne, they have a, a great church there growing up. Members of this church have moved over there and are, are uh, helpers on staff. Uh, of the church there, the music department, the youth leaders and all of those things. Uh, what a great joy to be able to say that because they got in order. 
and they set the house in order before they left and went. Do you know how many people say they're going to go and do something like that? And they struggle and struggle and struggle because they would not take the time just to counsel and just take the, uh, get in order on that. They're like, I'm just not going to consult with flesh and blood. I'm just going to go, bam, and go do it. Well, uh, then you better get ready to write the Bible because everybody else needed understanding. They needed counsel. I'm preaching real good. And when you separate out of one thing, it's important that you are prepared for that next season. Listen to what I'm telling you guys. We're not a third world nation. We are blessed. Somebody shout blessed. Now, if God's sending you in the middle of a jungle somewhere where there's no, uh, where civilization is just one generation out of the stone age or whatever it is, that's a whole different type of thing. But if you're going from one country to the next today, you need to be prepared. You need to prepare yourself up. And when you begin to go, uh, even in, in life, whether you're going to another country or maybe you're just changing jobs. Maybe you're just uh, uh, doing something that's changing your career or changing something like that. Listen, when you leave this one here, don't leave it running from something. Leave it prepared. Come on, give me two amens. I'll be honest, I never really worked for another person all of that much because uh, I, I did work at a couple of uh, companies before we had our own business. And, and so I was blessed to that. And my, my parents had their own uh, business when I was a boy growing up. So I worked there a lot. But I've never been anywhere where I worked that they didn't want me to come there and come back if I ever wanted to come back to work. They're like, would you please come and call us first? We'd like for you to work here. Because we made a decision, my father had taught me as a boy growing up, to take care of business. Every day, come on, shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And to be honest and to do your very best uh, what you put your hand to. Uh, and believe God that people will uh, want you to work on their staff or they'll want you to be around them. And then they'll listen to you when you begin to talk about the Lord. And I'm not just talking about uh, money here. I'm talking about integrity. I'm talking about being a person of diligence and making a decision to do your best. And being a person who sometimes you swear to your own hurt, the Bible says. That means you could have got out of it, but instead you decide to help someone else uh, that might actually wind up being better off than you are before it's over with. But for integrity's sake, you stay in there with it. And you make sure it's right before you transition to the next level and to the next thing. Can I get two amens right here? It's very important. And uh, for the sake of uh, our time's up for this this evening, but Paul was that kind of a person. And he begins to talk about it four different times before he gets back to, uh, uh, to Ephesus because he wanted to be there big time. This is chapter 18. And then he goes and the Bible says uh, he left again. He said, I put it in order. That same exact word in the Greek is used again. He said, I left it in order. And then the scripture says that he went to the churches in order. So he could strengthen the brethren. Everybody shout strengthen. And for, for time's sake, once again, I won't break down the Greek to you, but here's what that word means when it says strengthen. Uh, has anyone ever, uh, have you ever raised up a garden? Anyone here ever planted a garden? How about tomato plants? Anyone ever planted tomatoes? You know that stake that you put down beside that tomato plant? And you kind of tie that to it a little bit loosely because it helps support it. And it begins to grow. Well, of course, they used that in those days. That word strengthen is the Greek word, which means to stake a, a grapevine. 
And so you've got that, that rod there or that stick that's there. So that grape vine will grow a certain way. And as it begins to uh, uh, pick up its grapes and stuff, it won't fall all over until it's strong enough to stand by itself. And most of them remain staked at some way anyway. We do tomatoes over here a lot. If you grow tomatoes, I, I like them. I just thought I'd say that. <laughs> Bring you all the tithe. And, no. And so uh, they would stake those things and they would, uh, so they wouldn't fall over. And Paul said, I went to all of the churches in order, it says. He said, I went in order, strengthening the brethren. Uh, he wasn't driving a stake through their heart. He was building them up. He was reinforcing them. It's also the word that's used to, to put a column or a brace between the, uh, like the floor and the roof. Something that, that props it up, holds it up, and uh, secures it and strengthens it. And Paul said, uh, as I begin to travel, I, I would go to those places and I would build them up. Not take away from them, strengthen them up. Strengthen them up. One of the things we do here at Abundant Life, and one of the reasons that we're still here 35 years later, I'm so glad you're here on a, on a Wednesday night, and so I can talk to you, it's just us. One of the things, uh, when you have a school of ministry, which uh, at some point we'll be starting that back up, I'll give the official announcement. Quite a few people have already spoke to me about wanting to go to that this fall. And so we have a fully accredited uh, course system that we wrote that uh, today... Uh, we can still teach in school of ministry and we can do that at basically at our leisure or when the demand is there. And so it's a joy we'll be able to do that. But uh, uh, one of the things that we could do right there is uh, put the word in people and strengthen them up so they become strong in the Lord. The Bible says to commit the gospel to faithful men so they're able to teach others also. And so Paul said, I would go and I would strengthen them up. Well, in the process, if you have a school of ministry, I don't have to tell you uh, how many uh, preachers that we have raised up. We've had over a thousand graduates that gradu have graduated over the years since 1987 when we first begun that, uh, that school with seven members. Uh, we've had over a thousand that have gone through that, uh, of which about 300 of them that the last time I checked was just several years ago now. 300 of them were either in full-time ministry or in some type of ministry. Not necessarily pastors, but they were in some type of ministry. And uh, people have come from numerous nations to go through this, the school of ministry here. Uh, we always required they go back home before they came back. If they graduated from our Bible school, we weren't trying to make Americans out of them. We want them to come here. And uh, it's, it's too easy to come from a, a difficult climate and come to the United States or a difficult nation and all of a sudden hear God tell you, you're supposed to live in America and go and evangelize America. No, God's raising you up to go back and evangelize your country that you came from. And so I would require them to do that. Other people do it a different way. That's the way I felt we were supposed to do it. And so I would tell them, now, when you come to Abundant Life, you just remember, Abundant Life is like your living room. It's not your garden. It's your living room. Uh, you're, these are the preachers. Uh, you're growing and you're learning. I'm never going to ask you to get in the pulpit in all probability and preach because it's what God called me to do. But I'm going to train you up and help launch you out. But it is your living room. Can you imagine uh, having 300 people in, in, in graduating who all want to speak at least one time in the pulpit? I'd never get to say anything. But every street corner is a pulpit. I'm preaching better than your amen and still. 
Every place you ever hospital is a pulpit. Every neighborhood is a pulpit. And there's a place. We ask them to go 30 miles from here. Uh, if they're going to try to establish a church, sit down and talk. Make sure that you have that in order. Not because we're the only Christians in 30 miles, but we don't want a spirit of confusion or competition. Shout hallelujah. So we ask them to go at least 30 miles, and then we will help them and build them up. Most churches tell them to go 100 miles, but because of the highways and all of the population base we have around here, I felt in 85 that uh, uh, before we ever had anyone, that 30 miles uh, was the place that we were to launch people at least 30 miles away. And then we help them. We assist them if they uh, want to do that. If they want to do it their own way, that's between them and God. But uh, it's very important that we have those entries and those exits correctly. Then we're strengthened together. The body of Christ then is in order and we are strengthened. And instead of stakes being driven through the heart, stakes are then driven to help strengthen the growing of the fruit and the kingdom of God in our lives. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Uh, it doesn't take a, a spiritual giant to realize the confusion that can come from that. Most people shut their Bible schools down because of that one issue right there. Uh, and some of the greatest Bible schools in Houston, uh, up in Houston, large schools no longer exist because of that issue right there. Because of the spirit of, of um, uh, what's the word I want to use there? Oftentimes uh, we have, instead of anointings, we have ambitions. And, you know, in America, all of us Americans, you know, we're ambitious people. You know, monkey see, monkey do. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And everybody wants to go to the top. Because we're taught that from the time we're kids. It's in our culture. But the kingdom of God operates on another set of principles and laws that are kingdom laws. And that's what we operate on by the grace of God. And we want to get better at it all the time. Hallelujah. So Paul, when he would leave, they would beg him not to go. Because they, the relationships had been right. And he would strengthen them. And then he would come back most of the time. A few of the churches he never went back to, but he would send to those churches uh, when he could not. In his 25 or 30 year ministry, uh, before he went to heaven, somewhere around 65 or 70 years old. Uh, he was not an old man when he went to heaven, when the apostle Paul did. But in that period of time, glory to God, he was busy for the kingdom of God. How much more should you and I on a daily basis, on the job, everywhere we are, in our marriages, in our families, with our neighbors... Have a godly attitude. Amen. Never let ambition override your anointing. Amen. Can I get two big hallelujahs? Because you're positioning yourself and God knows how to redeem your time. And even if you think you are sacrificing, watch how God brings that back around so quickly. I'll tell you this story and then we're going to, that we'll, uh, have you learned something tonight? Uh, when I was a young man, I was in my uh, early, late, late 20s at this particular time. I was already a teacher and a preacher of the Word of God. I'd grown up in the house of God and, and I've always thanked God for a good memory and memorized large uh, sections of the Bible, a lot of scriptures, uh, because we practiced memorization when I was a kid. It was extremely important uh, in our household and our family growing up. Uh, I have brothers and sisters that have real strong memories because it's a trained technique. It's a learned thing. Uh, and anyone can learn that, but uh, you have to commit to that. Uh, I have daughters that can do that. 
Uh, if you ever get Pastor Catherine doing something like that, it'll kind of blow you away, her memory, what she can do uh, with her memory. It's, uh, it's unfair because if you were ever in her class at school, you know, she knocked the curve out every time on the grades and stuff. She was one of those kind. But uh, be that as it may, there was, uh, uh, we were about 28 years old. I was about 28 years old. And this, in my father's church, I was still in my father's church, though so I was preaching out by that time uh, quite a lot. And a man comes to me, a good man. I've told this story one time, I think, uh, as a pastor here in this church. A man and his uh, brother-in-law and a, a couple other men who were in our church, in my dad's church, came to me, and oh, they just sugar wouldn't melt in their mouth. Oh, they loved my class. Oh, your Bible class on Sunday morning. You are the cat's meow. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it didn't take a whole lot of that. You just kind of really blow your ego up real good. You know, oh, you just said you ought to be doing this every day yourself. And they just on and on and on. And I'm just like, I'm all of that in a bag of chips. Woohoo! Man, listen to that. I'm, I'm I, you know, I'm a preacher. And then they said, we really think you ought to be the pastor. But we know your dad, you know, he, he's still in that season of his life. So we're going to go across town and we're going to start it. We're going to build. They were, they were con uh, contractors and builders. And we're going to build a church. And we would like to make you the pastor of that church. It took me a second to realize what they were doing. It was at a fish fry in the backyard. These were not bad people. These were Christian people. They just didn't like the fact that there was spiritual authority in that house, in the church. And they had some habits and things in their life that, uh, that I know my dad would counsel them not to do those things. And so it just kind of got away with them. So they just decided, bless God, we'll build our own place. We'll do our own thing. I'm like, sheik Mosai, <laughs> pass them on by, you know. <laughs> and so I sat there for a second and I was, I, I wasn't sure if I was mad or hurt. Or being, I, I couldn't tell what was happening. I was being violated some way or another. Because not only was he my father, but he was my pastor. And, and I saw him in that role very much. And I'd rather deny myself than I would deny that. And I looked at that main spokesman. I said, man, what have I ever done that makes you think you could ask me to do something like that? I wouldn't do that to my own father. What, what, did I ever imply something like that? And Cindy and I got up and walked out, walked off, went and got in the car and just drove off. And I mean, I didn't sit there and mess with it any. They went ahead and built that building, tried to split the church. Almost all of them died premature. It's a terrible thing. The Bible says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Uh, those, are, those are very, very powerful spiritual laws that didn't just start in America. It's the way God established the body of Christ, that we should walk in honor. We should walk in love. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. And you got to put sometimes ambition down. I don't know about you, but when I came in the body of Christ, when I said yes to Jesus, I took all of my rights and I put them at the foot of the cross. I said, Lord, I'll pick up the rights that I have I mean, sometimes you have the right to be mad because of what somebody's done to you, but really you don't. I said, no, no. I'll walk in love to the best of my understanding. When I miss it, Lord, I'm going to repent. Help me. I want to be able to uh, uh, take my leave. I want to be able to transition correctly from one season to the next season all the time. 
when you got married. Now I'm really meddling. You got to put those, you got to lay those rights down. I mean, you're like, well, she don't understand me. I got the right to tell her all of that. Well, no, you don't. No, you, you, you got a right to learn to kind of bob and weave a little bit because she's going to be swinging if you're not careful. Man, this is 2020. We can't play those games. We, we've, we've got a right to walk in unity and to be understanding. And, and the Bible says, prefer one another in love. Praise God. And it's amazing how your life and your marriage will just keep transitioning. And with the same person, I'd like to say too, it'll keep transitioning. And, and it will actually get better and sweeter the further you're there. And suddenly you realize the purpose of marriage. Uh, once you get past the emotion of marriage, then you find the purpose of it. And it's a great day in your life when you realize that it wouldn't make any difference what we say to one another. I'm never going to leave her and she's never going to leave me. I'm confident of that. The day that happens and you suddenly realize that, something else goes off in you and says, why in the world am I even fussing about this? We're going to get an agreement before it's over with some way. And I just don't like the, uh, the, the issue. So I, I just, I repent. I'm sorry. Just, I'm going to go in here and cool off and you go in there and cool off and, and uh, I'll take a glass of iced tea in a little while. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.